Amen. Can you hear me? Yes. Good. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just obeying her. She put this and she said, behave yourself. Put it here. Even my wife doesn't do that. Praise God, she's not here, amen. So good to see you, sir. How's your dad? Amen. Church, again, it's an honor for me. It's an honor for me to be here. I was here this morning, and some of you have come back. I really appreciate your courage. <clears throat> and imagine people driving all the way from Wellington. Look at her. Hello. Uh, amen. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, people who have joined us tonight, my name is uh, Peter Kumar, uh, a citizen of New Zealand. Are you happy? Yeah. Who cares? Uh? Yeah. Well, yes, born, raised in India, directed to come to New Zealand. This morning I shared. I shared. I didn't want to come as a migrant or an immigrant. Praise God, there's no tunnel in New Zealand. <coughs> yeah, in America, they are trying to do so much in the tunnels. But God told me, this nation has to lead the end-time revival. So if God has chosen you, and God would tell an Indian man to go and tell, I asked God, why should I go? He said, they don't allow donkeys. Into, yeah. Yeah, sometimes, please. A donkey can tell a prophet off, right? Might listen to me. I didn't know anything about this nation. I didn't know. Those days, we didn't have Google. We didn't have Yahoo. I went through some books. In India, we call it geography books. Geography. I don't know whether New Zealand has any history. Used to have history. But then the geography book said there are more sheep than men. So I told God, what will I do? What will I do? Because please, India was nearly a billion people those days. Now India is 1 billion, 30 million people. So to me, New Zealand is a drop in the bucket. But God told me, I'm raising Elijah's in New Zealand. So I'm challenging you. Why don't you look at yourself and say, I want to be an Elijah. This Amen is like you put a like on the Facebook. Please, I mean, I waited, I waited a long time to see something visible in this nation. You can hate me. Yeah. I have not been sent to cause it, to make it happen. I've been sent to tell you guys, make it happen. So it's very easy for me, what I do. From 1997, I've been screaming this message to myself. And now my wife is also saying, yesterday we were in a meeting, normally she comes and grabs the mic, yesterday she broke down and she cried. 
And she said, guys, my husband has been weeping for New Zealand. God needs this nation to show himself, to show himself to the rest of the world. So you can tell God, back off. Yeah, please, easy. 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 I can never forget. I never told many people in India that I was moving to New Zealand. I never told. And I didn't even have money to buy four tickets. I was in the ministry. In India, ministry means go like this. Whatever people give. And I didn't have money. And I was crying before the Lord. You're asking me to go. How do I go? How do I go? How do I go? I was preaching in a village church. A man came to me in India. His daughter was very sick. Praise God. God used me to bring healing to her. And then he came and told me, are you planning to move to another country? I said, yes. He said, what are you going to do with all the things in your stuff in your house? We need to sell it. So when people, my own friends, when they knew I was going, they would come to my house and say, oh, so you have a pillow, give it for five bucks. I said, but it's a good pillow, it's $30. No, 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 you, you can't take it. You have a bed. The bed is $300. No, we'll take it for $20. It really broke my heart. I said, guys, you have to bless me. You have to bless me. They said, but you can't take it. So instead of just throw it away, give it to me. So I told my wife, please, there should be dignity. We are not going to do anything. This man came and said, okay, tomorrow I'm going to send my staff, an engineer. And he said, I don't want you to sell anything in your house. Anything. Anything. You just relax, he will come and put a price for everything. Everything was very new to me. See, Indians, we are known to bargain, negotiate, cut the price. So I'm sitting at home, this young man comes, he goes into every room, and he keeps on adding. I didn't even ask him how much. After two days, the man called me and said, I'm sending the same man. I said, why is he coming again? Maybe he missed out a few items. But he came and gave me a bag of money. God said, see, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. This is about New Zealand, not about me. <clears throat> and then a mighty man of God in my country, whom I look up to. He must be about 60 years at that time. He called me and said, God is telling me to come and stay in your house for three days. I said, fine. In our house, we always have a guest room. The best, the best we gave. I told my wife, he's coming. I look up to him. He's a great preacher, very, very humble man. He's coming to our house three days. So cook well, buy whatever, whatever. He came. He said, where's my room? Gave him the room. He entered the room. He never came out. 
So I'm knocking and saying, what about breakfast? He said, no need. What about lunch? No need. What about dinner? No need. And praise God, see, Indian doors are not like kiwi doors. You always have a crack. <laughs> Why? Because we want to see what's happening. Eh? <laughs> so please, when you go to India, check the cracks, the slits. So every time I'm looking, every time I'm looking at him, he's praying. The Indian side is kneeling down and holding his hand. Two days, so I told my wife, maybe he fought with his wife, she threw him out. He's <laughs> repenting. <laughs> my brother is here, Dr. Maud Gill. My brother and my sister-in-law are here. The third day he came out. His flight was at about 6 o'clock. He told me, I want to talk to you. I said, fine, let's sit on the table. He said, no, sit on the floor. And then he had a large Bible. And he said, you know, you're a forerunner. I said, what's a forerunner? You have to raise Elijah's, Elijah's, John the Baptist. And he's going on and on and on. On and on and on. And I told him, you just came to my house. Three days you were here. You didn't talk to me anything. And now you're saying all these things. Why are you saying? He said, God sent me only for this purpose. And then he said, what do you say? Are you willing or not? Are you willing or not? I said, please, you're talking such big things. Give me some time. I need to pray about it. How many of you have said that? That's a big excuse. I need time to think about it. That's a crazy excuse. I want God to tell me, please, God will say, shut up. I want some confirmation. I could have easily said no. So he said, I'll pack. I said, I'll help you pack. He said, no. He came out. He was wearing his shoes. Again, he said, are you willing? I said, I need time. I need time. And then I said, I'll pick your bag. The Indian culture is we always respect elders. He said, no, I can carry my bag. We were living in the first floor of a house. We were going down. Three, four times he said, sorry, willing. Are you willing? Are you willing? I said, I need time. I need time. I need time. And it's too big for me. He said, grow up. Grow up. We came to the gate. He had already organized a car. I mean, he's a very rich man. He organized a car. I mean, in India, that's luxury. So he got into the car, and he looked at me and said, are you willing? I said, I need time. He got into the car. He put on the windows. And he's looking at me, and there are tears in his eyes. And he's asking me, are you willing? And I'm thinking, why is he crying? I should be crying. Actually, I didn't want to cry when he was there. I thought, after he goes, I'll cry. How many of you have tried that? So I asked him, what will, you, what will God do? Look at this stupid question. What will God do if I say no? How many of you have tried to say that? What will God do if I say no? 
He said, you're not the only one. Don't think you're indispensable. You're not the only one. If we say no, God will send me to somebody else. And I'll do the same thing. The car was moving. He asked me, are you willing? I said, I will try. I will try. But I think another two and a half, three months I was in India, I studied so much about Elijah, so much about Elisha, so much about John the Baptist. And I said, God, this is too big, this is too big, this is too big. I came to New Zealand. God told me, your task, he didn't say your call, your task, your task is to go around this nation, raise up some Elijahs. I cried. Everybody said, start an Indian church. Some big churches, they came to me and said, start an Indian church. I said, why should I come from India to New Zealand, start an Indian church? They said, you're an Indian. I said, so what? And I tried to explain to them, New Zealand, Elijah, Elisha. They said, start an Indian church. And my Indian friends came and said, why are you not starting an Indian church? <laughs> it began in 1997. Somebody called a young man called Paul Saunders. Have you heard of Paul Saunders? He's a pastor in Lower Hutt. He used to be with Victory Bible. Somebody from India called him and said, go meet this man. He came. Three, four times he came to meet me. I'll be just sitting and he'll be sitting beside me. I won't know what to talk. One day he said, you're wasting your life. I said, how rude. You're such a young kid. He said, no, you're supposed to raise Elijah's, Elisha's. What are you doing? I broke down and I cried. And I said, you don't understand. You don't understand. How can I do it? I don't even know where to start, how to start. After a week, he called me. He said, there's a meeting in my church, Blockhouse Bay, St. Xavier's Anglican Church. He said, I want you and your wife to come. I thought it's some prayer meeting, revival meeting, Anglican. I went with my wife. There were a few people who already met me. They were all there. I was surprised. I was surprised. I thought, okay, maybe they're all part of this church. And he stood up and he started speaking. Oh, we need to raise Elijah's, Elisha's, Moses, Joe. And he's, he's speaking my heart. And I'm thinking, why is he speaking my heart? Has he stolen my, my ministry already? And suddenly he says, this is the call and revelation God has given to this man. And he doesn't know what to do. And he said, come up. Now why do I say all these guys, please? God has done this in all your lives. In my life it was different. In my life, it was different. But I had to learn. I had to learn. I had to learn. I asked the Lord, how do I start? Where? 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 
And God told me, I'm going to take you into houses. This is in Auckland. I didn't even have my own car. I'm going to take you into houses. So I called some people and said, house meetings. They said, no, we are all very private people. Then one lady came and said, can you do something in my house? She was a Samoan lady. It started in her house. It wasn't on a Saturday or Sunday. Some random. Daughter's birthday, granddaughter's birthday, husband's memorial, whatever, whatever. That one year, God took me into 88 houses in Auckland. I was shocked. It would be on weekdays. Some pastors came and told me, we don't know what you're doing. Are you starting your own church? I said, no. Then what are you doing? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Why are you doing? Because God told me. Then they said, don't do it on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Because we want our people to come to church. I said, I fully understand. The last house meeting, about 80 people were sitting. Can you imagine in a Kiwi house, 80 people? No worship team, no band, no mic, nothing. And no food. Hallelujah. So I was walking in the driveway and a lady came and said, stop the car, stop the car. I said, why? She said, stop the car. I stopped the car and the lady said, she is the lady of this house. She's so upset. She's driving away. I said, why she's upset? The lady said, she hasn't seen so many people in our house. She doesn't have any coffee, no tea, no sugar, nothing. I told the lady, can you please step down? And I told, why are you going? She said, please, I never, I've never seen so many people in my house. People were sitting on, on the floor in the kitchen. I said, do you have a bedroom? I said, yes. Do you have a TV in the bedroom? She said, yes. I said, go lock yourself. You don't need to come out at all. No need for any coffee, no need for any tea, no need for any cookies. She said, you don't understand. I said, no, you don't understand. And then people said, why don't you step into public places, community halls. Praise God, in New Zealand, the halls those days were $20 an hour. So three hours. Now, why do I say this, my brother, my sister? This nation has imparted so much. So much. I used to come down to Wellington every month, four meetings. Johnsonville Community Center, and then Hosanna in Lower Hutt, and then Salvation Army, Tawa. Now why do I say all this? If you feel that God needs you, do something. Don't say, here am I, but said my brother. But even tonight, I'm going to speak something very, very different. So this is about possessing. Say that possessing. One more time. One more time. So. Can you put the scriptures, ma'am, or can you read the book of Genesis, chapter 13, verse 17 onwards? Genesis, chapter 13. 
For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. The next scripture, please. Arise. Arise. Walk in the land through its length and its width. For I give it to you. For I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by whatever, whatever. And he built an altar there to the Lord. He built an altar to the Lord. Listen, guys. Listen. The kingdom always comes with an offer. The kingdom always comes with an offer. Faith will always produce action. Action will always produce faith. If faith does not produce action, you, have, you, you don't have rewards. See, please, the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God. But anyone who has faith, he should receive reward from God. How many of you understand that? See, this reward is not through your job. It's not through your retirement. I want you to repeat this with me. More faith. More rewards. More faith. More rewards. No rewards. No faith. Today check your faith. Show me your rewards. See, please, you can be very spiritual. I live in the U.S. I live in Charlotte. That's the Bible Belt. Everywhere I go, people come and prophesy. I'm 63 years old. My wife is, don't ask the age, please. We were invited to be in a conference. I was one of the speakers. But praise God, I never come up. I normally sit behind. I was having coffee. So this is uh, a hi-fi, spirit-filled conference. So people won't even walk straight. They will be going like this. I enjoy everything. I love that. So suddenly this man looked at me. And he came to me and said, is this your wife? I said, yes. He said, she will be pregnant very soon. My wife couldn't control laughing. She laughed loudly. I said, relax, relax, <laughs> relax. I'm 63. She's 57. But she looks much younger than me, please. She couldn't control. The man said, you woman of unbelief. And I'm still sitting and having coffee. My wife said, do something. I said, no, he's done it. Then my turn to speak, and after that again he comes, and he can't even stand, because now he understands, I'm anointed, hallelujah. How many of you know, if you're anointed, you can't stand? So he goes on the floor, he rolls and all that, I've seen that many times. Then he comes up and says, I didn't know you were a speaker. I said, okay. Then he said, 
what I meant was that she will be spiritually pregnant. I said, what does it mean? Spiritual pregnancy, how many of you can handle? But then I said, please, please, I fully understand your heart. You're a great man. He left. My wife came to application. She came home. She called my daughter. My daughter was living in London those days. She asked, are you pregnant? And my daughter said, are you crazy, mom? I don't even have a boyfriend. No, 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 tell me, are you pregnant? My daughter said, leave me alone. No. And then my daughter asked me, why is she asking that? Because we got a prophecy. So my wife said, if I'm not pregnant, maybe you're pregnant. <laughs> How easy is it to transfer all your prophecies? <laughs> See, God is telling Abraham, the father of faith, He's the father of faith. And God is saying, please, you have enough faith. Now put it into action. Just walk. 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 I'm going to give it to you. It's a huge offer. It's a huge offer. But Abraham did not walk. Abraham started a Zoom meeting. See, this is strange. Some of us don't understand. Can you put the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 9? Hebrews 11, verse 9. Paul explains that. By faith, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents. How do you like this? This is like a circus. God is giving the whole land and he says, no, I'm living in a tent. Yes, he would have had prayer meetings, he would have angels visiting him. Yeah, angels came. Angels ate in the tent. The man did not understand that his task was to possess. Today, so many people talk about the kingdom. I ask them, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? In America, please, they cook good meals, kingdom meals. Government, I understand. Yesterday, a lady said, I can't be in your meeting because I have to ascend to heaven. I said, don't come back. Some people, see, everybody dies to go to heaven, but there are people who want to go up and come down. I don't know. I don't want to come back. I mean, you would like to go to heaven and come back? I brought it. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, please. He is a spiritual man. He is a spiritual man. But there is an ignorance. And there is a reluctance. There is an ignorance. And there's a reluctance. So let me tell you what happens. Can you put the next scripture, ma'am? The book of Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, 
verse 7. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, To your descendants, I have given this land. Now the geography is coming from the river of Egypt to great river, whatever, whatever. The next verse, please. Look at this. Canaanites, Canaanites, Kadmon. This is like Japanese food. Hittites, Perisites, and websites. See, listen, guys, listen. What has happened? Because Abraham took time to possess, others have occupied. What you refuse to possess, somebody else will take over. The kingdom comes with an offer. The second thing, the kingdom tells you what you are entitled to. What you are entitled to. Jesus said, all these things will be added unto you. All these things. But we tell God, no, 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 I don't want all these things. I only want a few things. I want a good job. I want a nice shower. I want a good cat. I can't ask for a good husband. See, we downsize the whole thing. Imagine if Abraham had possessed. He would have given the whole thing to Isaac. He would have given the whole thing. Today, that legacy the legacy is not seen. How many of you know, please? I talk to a lot of young people. I've been, I've been, I'm invited to speak to youth camps. Even in America. I was telling pastor, I do one session and then I tell them one-on-one. 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 The organizers are surprised. I would sit with kids. Not in a hole. Anywhere, I'll tell the kid, you tell the name, you tell the place, I'll come and sit. Very interesting. But then they will ask me, so Peter Kumar, I hate what my dad is doing. Is it wrong? Not just spiritually. Not just spiritually. One girl said, my dad is a leader in the church, but every night he's a new woman. I feel like killing him. Will Jesus forgive me? The last day I called all the parents and I told the kids to sit one side, the parents to sit, sit, sit. So the parents, I told the parents, you can tell the kids what you expect. They all said, they should read the Bible. They should pray for seven minutes. They should pray. The kids were just sitting. And then when I told the kids, speak to your parents, they put the parents to shame. My son challenged me. My son is 30 years old. He challenged me many times. He said, I hate you. And I hate your Jesus. I hate you. I hate your Jesus. 
He told me, what is your Jesus doing in your life? But today, yes, praise God. God has touched him. He tells me, I want to do more than you. But he said, no, I don't want to be stuck inside the church. I want to change the whole world. I told him, learn, learn from the church. He's making coffee in his church. I like that. See, so many people have occupied spiritually in New Zealand, wherever I go, people seem to say something about the government. Now, I don't want to get into politics. So just because the government is there, the whole nation should follow. This is not the first government. About 15 years back, guys, please, you should know a little bit about myself. I met with the top leaders of denominations, AOG, Apostolic, um, uh, and uh, there was another movement which was here. Uh, I told them, AOG must have had about 300 plus churches, Apostolic about 70, 80, and uh, one more denomination, I forgot, a charismatic denomination. I told them, each church recruit two people, sponsor them for a training, once in three months, two days, two days, just two days, not 20 days, two days. Train them to go to the parliament. And I said, even if 10 Christians sit in the parliament, righteousness will begin to flow. All of them said it won't work. I said, you haven't even tried. Even in America, they don't do that. Why can't we do it? Deliberately, 325 churches. That means we are talking about about 750 people will be trained in one denomination. A local church can easily, two days, pray the travel, they just drive, put them in a hotel, treat them with dignity. If you train 3,000 people, I mean, those days, I put the whole number. Even now they say, oh, we are not into politics. Why don't we occupy? Is it wrong? Joseph was sitting with the king. When Moses comes, Pharaoh will stand up and say, sir, please, can you ask your God what he's going to do? I hate you. Actually, I hate you, but please ask God. When Elijah came, Ahab said, are you a troublemaker? Elijah said, yes, I've come to cause trouble, but... It's not wrong, my brother, my sister. It's not wrong. The kingdom made an offer. He downsized it. He downsized it. The kingdom said, possess it. He said, no, I live like an alien. And now, so many people have occupied. You know something, guys? Abraham did not occupy. Isaac did not possess. Of course, Isaac grew a hundred times. 
but he did not really possess. He didn't have. He didn't have the ability to possess. But he grew. Again, Abraham, if he had taken the land, he would have grown a hundred times in that land. Can you put a scripture, man, if you can? The book of Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 and 13. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 and 13. The Bible says Isaac sowed in that land. And God was with him. So basically what was Isaac saying? If you're going to be with me, make me grow a hundred times. Today we all claim that God is with us, right? So who's going to make who grow? Are we going to make God grow? Or God's going to make us grow? I like the way you're all looking at me. See, Isaac understood that Abraham did not possess, but I will grow. Jacob did not possess. Joseph was screaming to his brothers, guys, leave Egypt, leave Egypt, leave Egypt, go and possess. They said, nah, we just got a property. We are just buying another property. We are just looking at the mortgage. We are just renovating. I'm looking at my seventh boyfriend. So 430 years. Can you imagine the people of God who had the entire package of promises could not live up? How do you think God will feel? Even Moses did not possess. Guys, this nation has to be possessed. This nation has to be possessed. I want you to put the last scripture, man, the book of First Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 11. First Corinthians, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing? If we reap your material things. I want you to repeat this with me. Spiritual seed produces material harvest. Material seed will produce a spiritual harvest. Think about it. Abraham had faith. God gave him Isaac. Abraham put Isaac in the, in, in the altar, he became the father of faith. Yes, every material blessing you receive can be a seed. It can be a seed. Now some of you are asking, so Peter Kumar, what are you trying to say? The first thing, you should know what you're entitled to. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, relational, even relationships. Please, God will never understand if you go and say, I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing. Jesus said, I know how to lay my life down. And I know how to take it back. I know how to. And he said, 
I know, I know how not to lose even any of you. That's how the kingdom works. Every day I ask God, so this is my faith, what should I possess? This is my faith, what is my possess? Yes, he talks to me about nations. About six years back he told me, I made you study MBA, Master of Business Administration. You're not a missionary. Come back to the marketplace. I cried. I cried. Who am I? I don't know anything about the marketplace. At least my brother is a doctorate in marketing. He said, no, I'm giving you wisdom. I'm giving you wisdom. Joseph had the wisdom. Daniel had the wisdom. Kings would line up. I said, give it to me. Give it to me. Today he's given me a task to work with 200 companies. I teach about whether to choose process or progress. Process or progress. If you take a process, soon you will go into a decrease. Where will your job take you? Where will your job take you? Retrenchment or retirement? How many of you are praying, Lord, I've never retired in my life. I want to retire. What is retirement? Somebody says, I don't want to see your face tomorrow. But then, if you are, if your paycheck is $15,000 a month, your retirement will say, from tomorrow you're getting how much? 3000 5000 Why does somebody have to work for 45 years to get a decrease? I like the way you're all looking at me, please. She invited me. No, the Bible says goodness and... Bible does not say disability and... Why don't we increase in goodness and mercy? Nothing wrong in having a paycheck. The paycheck is a common commodity. Anybody who works with you have, will have the same paycheck. If you say, my Jesus is giving, somebody will say, my mother-in-law gave it to me. How can you go and contest with them? Even an unbeliever will say, no, 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 I don't believe in any God, but I have a job. I have a business. The scriptures are full of promises. I had to study the whole scripture in my own way. I've never been to a Bible school. The Lord told me, you should learn to receive from me. You should understand how the kingdom works. You should understand. My wife is a crazy girl. She'll say, I need this. You go to God and ask him. <laughs> how rude. That doesn't mean you're not part of the worldly economy. Yes, you should go to Countdown. You should go to Pack and Save. But you should also be able to say, yes, <clears throat> I got this from Pack and Save. This I got from God. So you should be able to testify to people. This is through my paycheck. This is through my faith. And if you increase your seed, 
God will increase the harvest. He told me, Peter, every church has a large vision. Every church has a large vision. And he showed me the picture of many luxury cars parked in the parking lot. He said they don't have energy and gas to go. Every church needs resources. Every church needs resources. We cannot just put our hand out and say, give me money or give me a resource. All these things should be added. If the church creates that kind of economy, the Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, God will bless. Even a retired person works all the time, right? So retired people should be more blessed than people with jobs. The kingdom comes with many offers. Number two, you should define what you are entitled to. Because the world will only give you certain values. Even today, according to the government, Peter Kumar is unemployable. When we lived in New Zealand, we never had insurance. But in America, you have to have a physician. I've never been to a doctor. 11 years I was here. But in New Zealand, in the US, you had to find a physician. So the physician asked me, where are your medical records? I said, I don't have. He said, have you destroyed it? I said, I didn't create it. He said, you're a funny man. I said, I never thought about it. Because God said, I am your healer. I'm not against doctors. In New Zealand, if I go to a doctor, that means the doctor is sick. Hallelujah. But we need to define it. Abraham did not understand the legacy. The land which God offered, it became the land flowing with milk and honey. Abraham did not understand. Even Moses did not understand. And the whole culture of the people, they were only saying, no, no, give me a job, I'll do it. Give me a job, I'll do it. Give me a job, I'll do it. And somebody is screaming, land flowing with milk and honey, they said, forget it. And even when they were going towards it, they said, the onions are good there. The potatoes are good there. Moses should have given them a kick on their backside. We find it so easy to lose what we are supposed to possess. Please, my brother, my sister, go home. Write three promises, three promises, and define what God is promising. Simple, one day the Lord asked me, hey Peter, I, I, I promise two things to my people, peace that passeth all understanding and everlasting joy. Why my people don't understand P-E-A-C-E? -E? They only cling on to P-I-E-C-E. -E. Why my people are not happy at all? Ask yourself, when was the last time you smiled 
at yourself in the mirror. In India, we tell many stories. There was a huge traffic jam. See, in India, don't be surprised of a traffic jam. A cow just walked into the highway, and a huge cow, it just sat there. So in India, cow, they worship the cow, so nobody would even touch the cow. You touch the cow, they'll kill you. So everybody is waiting for Mr. Cow to move. So a car stopped, and a very short man got out. And he asked, what's happening? Mr. Cow. Mr. Cow is there. Mr. Cow. He said, I, I know what to do. So he went and he sat beside the cow. He put his arms around the cow. And everybody were watching. Everybody were watching. And the cow started crying. And then he also started crying. And after some time, the cow got up. And the cow started running. And he went on, Mr. Cow, please. Mr. Cow, please. Mr. Cow, please. And the cow ran away. And now he said, all you guys go, all you guys go. But in India, the culture is they thank you. They dance, they immediately pull some money, they make a lace, they put the... And they asked him, how did you do it? How did you do it? He said, easy, I'm a pastor. He said, we've heard of horse whisperers, we've never heard of cow whisperers. How do you do it? He said, actually... When I saw the cow, God told me he's very sad. Word of knowledge. So I sat beside the cow and I put my arms around him. And I told the Mr. Cow, I know you're very sad. Please share your problems with me. So Mr. Cow started sharing all his problems. He started crying. And then I started telling my problems, Mr. Cow. <laughs> Mr. Cow, actually, I have more problems than you. So Mr. Cow started crying. So I am crying, Mr. Cow is crying, I'm crying. And then I told Mr. Cow, please come to my service. You need Jesus Christ. My cow, Mr. Cow said, leave me alone. And he was running. So I went after him and said, please, Mr. Cow, you need to accept Christ. Today, why do people don't want to come to church? Because church is full of people who are so sad. One day Jesus said, I told them, cast your burden on me. Everybody is carrying tons of burden, and they're leaving it on the pastor's head. Yeah. One day somebody asked me, what's your definition of a good pastor? I said, a good pastor is a good shepherd. They said, hallelujah. A good shepherd always feeds the sheep. They said, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's feeding and feeding. And the sheep get so hungry, they eat up the pastor. Yeah, a pastor called me and he said, I'm think, I, I think I'm getting burnt out. I said, never say that. Call yourself a burnt offering. <laughs> Which is better, burnt out? <laughs> Second thing, activate your action. The church is full of people who have faith. I believe, Peter. I'm praying about it. I believe. I'm praying. I'm seeing visions. I'm seeing dreams. Excellent. Excellent. But how do you put it into action? This morning I challenged you. 
Try to bring three people to Jesus, please. He's not going to fall from a coconut tree. You have to make an action plan. You have to make a list of about 25 people. You need to start praying for them. You need to invite them. You need to talk to them. Otherwise, nobody is going to listen to you. Nobody's going to listen to me. Even in the US, when a plumber comes or a gardener comes, I immediately open my door and say, can you come and have coffee with me? They look at me like this. Because the US culture, they're very, very careful. They're very careful because I can say anything. I say, no, I'm a pastor. And I said, in the Indian culture, we don't let anybody go without a cup of coffee. When they come and sit in, I give the coffee. And I share a little bit about myself. And then I share about Jesus. Many of them cry and they accept Christ. Many, many, not even one person have told me, back off. There are people who have said, can I bring my wife and family? It should be purposeful. It should be purposeful. It should be purposeful. Take a goal. Same. Today, yes, you gave your tithe, your offering. The Bible says anybody who gives your tithe, the windows of heaven are going to open and your house should be full. So the testimony is if you go to the church, your house will be full of blessings. Why can't we try? I had to sit with my wife. My wife is a math teacher. I had to tell her, I'm not going to go for a job. I'm not going to start a business. But we both are going to plant seeds. And I will tell you, don't throw your seed. Don't throw your seed. Jesus said, just don't throw your seed. A man threw his seeds in four places. Jesus would call him an idiot. He never even expected a harvest. Add value. Every seed you sow, it doesn't matter about what amount you give. It will open the windows of heaven. Try it. I told Project, this is our income. In America, people laughed at me. When I told the pastor, I started going to a church. The pastor asked me, what's your ministry? I told him I need to go to at least 30 countries and get millions saved. He looked at me and said, so what's your job? I said, nothing. How are you going to earn your money? I don't know. He said, I want to know Peter. I said, yeah. So every time I go to the airport, can you drop me? Six years, my pastor would drive me to the airport. How many of you can try it? Don't even try with him. But every time he'll ask me, so Peter, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? Who's supporting you? I tell him, Pastor, please. I have made a projection. My wife would testify, yes, we have grown 30 times. We've grown 60 times. It's between you and your God. Every spiritual seed will produce a material harvest. Many of us are not able to do what God has called us to do because 
we are not seeing that fruit. <coughs> we are not seeing that fruit. Finally, my brother, my sister, don't accept losses in your life. Abraham just accepted losses. Abraham accepted losses. I'll show you a scripture. It's shocking. Ma'am, can you put the book of Genesis, chapter 24, verse 34 and 30. Can I take five more minutes, guys? Genesis 24, verse 34 and 35. Or, is she able to put? Or you can read it. Genesis 24, 34 and 35. Yeah. Yeah, please. Um, so Genesis twenty four, thirty four and thirty five says So he he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed the, my master greatly, and he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. Any mention of land? No. I don't think. Hold on. Yeah, Abraham was very rich. God gave him. He didn't, it's not through his job. Does it say through his job? Through his business? It just says, the Lord blessed him. So it's a different economy. Mm. For Abraham's lifestyle, nobody will give him a job. He stayed in tents, and the Bible says, wherever God says go, he will go. If somebody wants to give him a job, he will say, wait, I need to ask the boss. Tomorrow he'll tell me to go to Titirangi. Then day after tomorrow he'll say, go to Christ Church. And then he will say, go to Invakhagya. People would laugh at him. He didn't even have his permanent address. Hallelujah. Yeah, no tent will have an address. But he learned to receive so much from God. Gold, silver. If you look at his life, kings would come and give him gold. He never did any business. Even for the stupid things he did. Yeah, twice he called his wife, my sister. I like to ask him when I go to heaven. How did you manage to... But there was a transfer. Now why am I saying this? It's not for you and me to be rich. New Zealand needs that kind of model. Why should people know what's happening inside the church? We can do anything here. But how are we going to impact them? How are we going to impact them? In New Zealand, you don't have poverty. In America, there are still people sleeping under the bridge. I've never seen that in New Zealand. They come and stand before you. No money. I've never seen that in New Zealand. But if people should know that our faith is creating rewards, Somebody will come and knock at the door and say, can you teach me how my faith?
can create rewards. Spiritual, emotional, physical, relationships, talents, creativity, everything. Everything. Even tonight, my brother, my sister, yes, this church is different from other churches. You don't want to come under any scheme. You believe in freedom. There are so many denominations that say you have to come under, you have to come under, you have to come under. Yes, they are good people, but they have their own structure. I don't see that kind of a structure here, which is excellent. And there's freedom of worship, there's freedom of the move of the Holy Spirit. But, how will you respond if I say, through this church, maybe before December 31st, maybe 2,000 people should be saved? I'll come back, I'll check. Yeah, please, I mean, I'm different. I'll come and ask you, 2,000 people, you should tell me. That means this place will not hold. I told pastor, I'm seeing another piece of land. Another piece of land. If God wants to give it to you, you don't need to buy it. He'll give it as a throwaway price. Or somebody will come and beg you, please, can you keep this land? Yeah, that's how God works. That's how God works. My brother, my sister, please. I'm not preaching. The bigger picture is millions of New Zealanders. Abraham had to understand what does it require to become the father of nations. I think he was scared when he saw all these Kenosites and Perusites and Hittites and Hivites and all that. And he imparted his fear. He imparted his fear. Even when Moses was leading the people, they straight away said, our grandfather Abraham, he was scared of these guys. We are going to be scared. We are going to be scared. And they refused to possess. They refused to possess. Today I meet too many people who are just refusing. How do you know? Check your conversation. Oh, you don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand. Nobody understands me. Please, my brother, my sister. It's a season of quickening. This is a season of quickening. This is a season of quickening. If I was there with Abraham, I would have taken his hand and said, Joe, come on. Come on, man, come on. Let's try to walk. Let's try to walk. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then the legacy would have been very, very different. There would have been a lot of multi. Some of you are saying, Peter Kumar, it's not practical. God is not a practical person at all. Many times he tells me, I know it's difficult, but it's not impossible. I know it's difficult, but it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. 
when I came to New Zealand, the first time I preached in a church, the Presbyterian Church, St. Martin's in Papa Toy Toy. I preached. I preached well, according to me. <laughs> when I was walking out, a very elderly lady, she smiled at me. And when I just walked out, I heard her say to someone, he seems to be a very good man, but I didn't understand one word of English he spoke. <laughs> I went to my house and I fell down and I cried before the Lord, I'm going back, I'm going back, I'm going back. How dare somebody comment on my English? I'm highly educated. God said, you want to go back, go back. Go back. I said, but you have to tell me, please, Peter Kumar, please stay. He said, shut up. I can only bring you so far. I can only bring you so far. How you go further is up to you. I told him, you don't understand. Maybe nobody commented on your English. The next time I preached in a large AOG church, I told the pastor, I need an interpreter. He said, for what? I said, my English to your English. He said, I don't understand. I said, my accent is Indian. Your accent is different. Like we say bed, you say bed. We say pen, you say pain. <laughs> my Indian name is Nirmal. He said, Nimal. I said, please, I don't want anybody to comment. The pastor announced, Peter is saying, you won't understand his accent, but try to connect with him. The first time I came to Wellington, a lady was there. Her name is Verna. She passed away. She had a notebook, and she was taking down notes. I was very happy. I told the Lord, she's understanding God. She's understanding so after the whole meeting was over, she came and put her arms around me. Please, in Indian culture, nobody does that. I was shocked. I thank God my wife was not there. And she said, I want to take you out for a meal. And she chose a restaurant. I don't even know. It was kind of dark. And I'm telling God, please, God, please, save me. And she made me sit there, and she said, your content was excellent, but your delivery was so bad. And she told me, showed me 32 points she's made. The way you stand, the way you put your hand here, you're not even looking at people, you're not smiling, you're looking at the wall. I mean, that's our culture. And then she said, I'm a communications coach. And she said, you be my son, I'll make you the best. You be my son. You know Verna, right? You won't believe, guys, till she passed away, every month I come, she'll wait for me in the airport. She would drive me. We've gone. We've gone up to so many places. And then people would come with us. We used to have so much of fun. I miss all that. I miss all that. This nation has imparted so much. Guys, you have excellent people. They have large visions. They are establishing themselves on certain truths. 
instead of asking what the church will do for me, from tonight, ask yourself, how can I partake of that vision? How can I partake of that vision? How can I partake? Please, I told you, I preach in many churches, but this is different. This is different. I'm telling you the truth. This is very different. Stand. Stand. But grow. Grow. You determine yourself to grow. You determine yourself to grow in every area of your life. In every area of your life. If you don't read the Bible, start reading the Bible. Don't come and say, oh, I don't read the Bible. God will laugh at you. Don't ever come and say, I don't have time to pray. Yes, walk before God. Walk before God. Walk before God. Whatever challenges you have, tell God your promises. We have a person who says, you know, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never put you to shame. How can you argue with the person who says, I will never put you to shame? He won't understand. He won't. But tell him, can you turn my shame to joy? Can you turn my shame to joy? And bless the work of my hands. If you bless the work of my hands, then I will become the head, not the tail. I will become a blessing. I will break every curse. I will break every curse. So, I want you to consider to commit. Again, can somebody softly play the keyboard, please? Yeah. Or guitar, whatever. Tonight, I'm challenging you. Morning, I challenged three souls. Tonight, I'm challenging you. You may not like what I say, but I usually do it. So, in the next three months, your personal income should grow 15% more. So, your giving to this church should increase by 10%. I'm not asking for me, please. Praise God, you already gave the offering. I'm not talking money, I'm talking growth. There should be evidence. There should be evidence. There should be evidence. So you create the fruit and you come and sow your seeds here. You share your fruit here. Even if you are in a benefit, it's okay. Not wrong to be in a benefit at all. Not wrong. But to live forever and ever under a benefit, wrong. Whatever benefits you have. Maybe talk to the pastors. How do I, how do I define my seed? How do I sow? How do I water? How do I water? How do I nurture growth? Paul says, Somebody will sow, but somebody has to water. And then God will create. 
this church wants to be a testimony for the city. This church wants to be a testimony for the city. If this church wants to be a testimony, each of you will be mighty, mighty, mighty weapons. Please, God told me, choose vessel or weapon. Vessel or weapon. I said weapon. Please, my brother, my sister, the next two years, let's put our best for New Zealand. Let's put our best for New Zealand. Through the church. Through the vision of the church. So ask your pastor. Ask your pastor. I want to do more for God. I want to do more for my family. I want to do more for the vision. I want to do more for my city. For my city. Sit, make plans, make plans, put it before God. In three months you will see how God creates a harvest. All that God told Abraham was, just walk, just walk, just walk. For some reason, the man did not understand how to possess, how to possess. So I want every eyes to be closed. I want every eyes to be closed. I want you to say this with me. God, I don't want to be a loser. You are the giver. I'm not looking at other sources. Your promises, the prophecies, my visions, my dreams, my obedience, my obedience. Honor, Lord, honor whatever I do. I want to be a vessel in your hands. When I walk out of this place, you manifest yourself in every way, in every way. I'm willing, Lord. I'm willing. I'm willing. Never leave me. Never leave me. Never leave me. Amen. So guys, I want to give the meeting to pastors. I want you to share something. And then I want to come and minister. Once again, thank you very much. My brother Raja, you want to say something? Can you please come up? He's a mighty man of God. Every time he's there, he makes me nervous. He's my own brother. You know, guys, we lost our mom when I was 14 years old. And he was, he was two years younger than me. And then so many things happened in our family. People said, even now 80% of our family are not Christians. They would say, this family is cursed. This family is cursed. This family is cursed. And they wouldn't even come to our house. 
I don't know whether he saw those things. But today God has put us in high places and we are a testimony. And I'm so happy that he's here. Um, he always puts me in the spot like this. But uh, you know, just a couple of things that came to my mind. And I can't believe that I'm sitting here in Wellington. But I think it's uh, largely to a scripture that I read. I think from Acts chapter 1 in 1981. I was 21 at that time. And somebody told me that you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I sat with the concordance and you know, went through the whole Bible wherever there was a reference to the Holy Spirit. And I came to Acts chapter 1 and verse, you know, one of those scriptures there that says that you shall be, oh, I think it must be verse 8, I think. It says that, you know, you shall receive the Holy Spirit and, and you witness. shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, and in the uttermost parts of the world. That was something that I read in 1981. But 2004 is when we came to New Zealand. New Zealand was not in my plan. We, we moved out of India, went to Australia in 1995. But things evolved that, you know, today I am in New Zealand. The reason that I'm sharing that with you is there is life in the promises of God. There is life. And, you know, I think the Amplified Bible, one of the scriptures, talks about the self-fulfilling ability of God's word or God to perform his word. So that is one thing. The second thing that I want to encourage is that, you know, I believe soon this church will be flooded with a lot of young people. That's one of the things that I just sensed, uh, you know, this evening, sitting there and, uh, you know, we pray a lot, we cry out when we see what's happening to the young people, but believe me, trust me, that the time is at hand. I believe, I think it's Ezekiel 12 and verse 28, which says, there shall be no more delays. There shall be no more delays and our sons and our daughters are coming home. So may God bless the ministry that God has entrusted into your hands. And thank you for listening. The final word, if God can use an Indian like him, God can use an Indian. Because he's my brother, I've known him for the last 61 years. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.